Well, hello. My name is Pastor Richard and I'm the pastor of this church. And so happy to be uh, leading uh, you in God's word so that we can learn and grow together. And did you know that it is God's word? So God himself, the God of the universe, is speaking to us right now. And as we hear and listen through you know, this broken person here, you're going to hear God speak deep into your heart so that he can transform you. And the purpose is to make you more like Jesus. And when you're like Jesus, that's it. You know, you're perfect in every way. And so isn't that good? That's the process. That's the purpose. And we're going to look more at that uh, as we go this morning. Uh, what's happened is, you know, we've been going through 15 sermons. This is the 15th sermon going through 1 Thessalonians. And I'm very sad to say this is the last sermon. There could have been 30 sermons, easily, easily. Uh, you know, we've been going through this last section, which is sort of like, you know, final instructions. Final instructions. Well, there's 17 final instructions. And I could, I could build a discipleship course from every instruction that Paul gives, and it will be complete. It will teach us how to be powerful and effective, how we can be Jesus followers in a way that people will notice and that we'll be transformed. And, and I don't know about you, but it's just phenomenal. And so, um, you know, I, there's so much I missed. <laughs> Actually, I could, we could start again and go through and then pick up so much more. And so uh, today, though, we're up to the, um, the final prayer or blessing that uh, Paul gives to the congregation or to those in Thessalonica. And so let's look at those words together. So it's uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 to the end. And it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here. We thank you that these aren't just words on a page, but these are living and active words. We thank you, Lord, that by your Spirit, these words come to life as we receive them deep into our hearts. And so, Lord, as we're ready this morning, as we open our hearts to you, Lord, we pray that you may so speak to us, that you will speak to our soul, that we may be transformed and changed. Lord, that we may meet with you, and that as you minister to us, you prepare us and enable us to live your life in this world. And so we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be looking at um, it's a, a three-point uh, sermon. So, you know, very good. So it's, I'm going to deal with um, uh, may God himself, so we'll speak about the person of God, and uh, you know, uh, sanctify you through and through, and we're going to deal with that. So it's going to be fairly heavy. And so we look at the process, and then we're going to look at the promise at the end. Um, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And, and I think it's very important that we, we focus that and really get that into us. And so, you know, the important thing is that we need to know about the balance between law and grace, love and law. Because, you know, there's a good chance that we live by either law. And do you know what I mean? Like by uh, law of love, like God is a God of love, and he's going to forgive everything I do. So I, I believe in Jesus, you see. And so I just do whatever it is I want to do, and I know that God will forgive me in the end. We can live like that, can't we? 
we can think of all gods, the God of love. I think that the most famous saying of all was Heinrich Hein. He was a, he was a German, and uh, he was um, uh, he was a poet and a journalist, and uh, and he and he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God at all, and he was on his deathbed, and someone said to him, "What if God really does exist? What if he's really there? Do you think he'll forgive you?" And Heinrich said, "He said, of course he'll forgive me. That's his job." <laughs> so, He's been an atheist his whole life, and he said, "Of course he'll forgive me. That's his job. His job is to forgive people." And we, but we can think that in our hearts. Can't we? we can live that way. We can say, "Well, I've done that. Oh, well, that, that wasn't good, but he'll forgive me." And we can have that thing that God's job is to forgive me of everything I've done wrong today. That's his job. But that's wrong, isn't it? That's wrong. I mean, it's partly right that he forgives us, but it's wrong as well. The other one is that we live by law, and so we become, you know, little Pharisees. You know. So, legalistic people. And so what we do is we say, well, we, we start calculating. So we said, oh, we did this wrong. But that's okay because we did five other things right. Okay? So <laughs> I did that thing wrong, but that's okay. I've done all these other things right. And I'm going to work really hard at making sure that I don't do that thing wrong again. But if I do, that's okay because I'll just, you know, so we start doing this mathematical work with God and, and then we become the judge and we say, well, God, God should forgive us because we've done all these things. You see? So, and then what about these other people around us? I mean, they're terrible, aren't they? They're sinners everywhere. Not as good as me, because I'm working really hard. You see that that sort of legalistic approach. So there's there's love or grace. God will forgive me of everything. And there's also law, and um, we're quite concerned, and we're just going to keep working on it. Well, do you know what that does? What that does is that makes grace cheap. But grace is not cheap, is it? The grace of God to forgive us is not cheap. He doesn't just give it. He sent his one and only son into the world to die for us, a tragic death, to pay for our sin, to reconcile us to himself. I mean, that's not cheap grace. That is the most expensive grace of all. And so we, we can't treat it like he'll just forgive us in any way. And so what it does is it makes grace cheap, but also it nullifies justification by faith. Justification by faith alone. That's one of the reformed standards, isn't it? Justification. We're going to look at that a bit later. But it makes justification nonsense if it's true that we it's by love or by law. And then the other thing that it does is it destroys our assurance. We have no assurance at all. If So if we think, oh, God's just going to forgive me, that's his job, we're not really sure. Or if we're doing our own calculations based on our living as to whether we're good enough to go to heaven, we're not really sure. So we lose our assurance. And Paul says, don't do that to yourself. That's not how you live a powerful Christian life in the world. That's not how you have assurance. What we need to do is we need to see the, the tension. that It's all about grace, the grace of God that he's won for us. But we are justified by God himself. We receive it through faith. And then we live in the assurance that we are the children of God. And when we can do that, you see, when you can do that, live like that, then you will be powerful and effective. Can you imagine? If you can work this out, if you can work this in, if you can have this. And so that's why Paul prays this for his people. He prays it for those in Thessalonica and he's praying for, uh, for us today. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying this prayer for us, hoping that we can achieve it and receive it and know it and believe it and live it out so we'll have all that we need to live and to be a witness for him. 
And so let's have a look at it. So we're going to look at um, first the person of God. And it's, um, you know, may God himself, the God of peace. May God himself, the God of peace. God is the God who is peace. God is love. God is grace. But God is justice. And so we need to meet God. And, and I don't know, um, you know, Siska, you, uh, she, she, did you, you, cho- you chose those songs. Did you know that we're talking about the Trinity this morning? Right. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, did she look at my notes? <laughs> anyway, those songs were chosen by God through Siska to be played for us so that we talk about the Trinity because that's exactly what I was talking about. And I thought, well, it wasn't in the text. Did she check the text? No, that's... See, God is at work here, right? He, he did this. Because what we need to see is God is Trinity. And so I want to uh, take you to uh, Ephesians chapter 1, where we can see the God of peace at work and see how he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so here it is. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, that is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him, in him with a seal, the promise, Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who um, who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. And so, you know, that uh, that is only one passage that I picked this passage because it's so awesome. The God of peace at work. And so you see how it works? God the Father, he predestined us, he chose us, he loved us since before the beginning of the world. God the Father organized that we be saved because he is the God of peace. So think about it. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit existing in Trinity. They love each other perfectly. They are totally independent. They they love one another and they don't need anything else. They exist in themselves. They're eternal. They never end. They're there in perfect unity and in perfect love. And so then, you know, God the Father chooses to create and he created you and me. He placed us in his image. He made us. And then he has drawn us into a relationship with himself through Adam and Eve. But then came that time where Adam and Eve wanted to be their own Lord and their own master. 
and so deceived by Satan and his word, they went their own way and everything fell into sin. So everything fell into no peace. And so the God of peace organized a peace plan because there was no peace, you see. And so we see how God works. So God the Father organizes the, the peace plan. His one and only Son is sent to do the work for that peace plan, to pay the price, to earn the grace, to, to, so that we can receive it. And then the Holy Spirit brings it into effect. You see how it works? It is right throughout the Bible. I mean, you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible, and yet Trinity is everywhere. And so we, we see that this is who God is, right? God is the one who we discovered last week is the God of the universe, and you can't hurt God, but yes, we can. God made himself vulnerable. He came to us so that he can um, become the one who can be hurt or stabbed or killed or tortured or insulted. God became man in the form of his son so that then we could receive reconciliation and find peace. But the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the God of peace, sent his spirit into us. So we have the spirit of God at work in us, applying the peace that had been won for us. And so this is God. This is the God of peace. And so Paul says, may this God who brings this peace bring peace to you through and through. And that through that is through sanctifying work. And you know, This is going to get heavy for a bit, but it's great. Have you heard of soteriology? Oh, you've come to the right place. Oh, yes. Of course, Dan's heard of the courses. Anyway, anyone else? Yes? Good? Okay, sanctification. We're going to talk about that. This is, this is enormous. So, uh, so God has a peace plan. And so what we learn is that God predestined, it said that, predestined. So before the beginning of the world, God the Father has chosen who are his. We don't know who they are. They're, they're chosen. And so then uh, we say that according to these steps of salvation, soteriology, is that God then, what he did was he elected. So we've been the elect, you know, in the word of God, it says that we're the elect of God, chosen by God, since before the beginning of the world. And then he called us. And so the call goes out. The call goes out through the Spirit, throughout the world. You see? And so we're those people who bring the call as well, aren't we? God uses his people to call people to himself. And so um, the call goes out, so we hear the call. So somewhere in your life, somewhere, I hope and pray, that each one of you heard God's word and suddenly a little light turned on, a little penny dropped, a, a little flame started to flicker and started to, to blaze away. That picture that we heard the call, we received the call. And when we received the call, we received justification. Justification. And you know what justification is? It's like you go into court and the judge looks at you and says, you are not guilty. Not guilty. You are justified. You are. You, you can walk out. There's nothing that's been said against you that applies anywhere. You are a free person. That justification. The God of the universe says, oh, you're a terrible sinner, but Jesus paid the sin for you, and now you are right with me. You are justified. Isn't that amazing? And so how much of you were you involved in this? How much... How much involvement do you have in this peace plan so far? What did you contribute so far? Zero. God did it all, isn't it? That's just enormous, isn't it? 
And so God chose you. He knew you since before the beginning of the world. He called you and he knew he'd respond. <laughs> and he justified you and said, you're, you're justified. That's it. And then he adopted you. You're adopted into the family. So you've got a legal place in the family of God. You can go to God and say, Dad. You can go to God and say, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a child of yours. I mean, you, you love me with a perfect love. And we can say, that. yep, that's true. That's who we are. And we didn't do a thing. It was all done by God himself. But then comes sanctification. Sanctification is what we're talking about here. And that is the part we play, you see. And so what God does is uh, he's done all this to you. So it's all been external. You didn't do it. It was done to you. You're in this relationship with God. And then through this, what happens, it's an internal call that works within you that transforms you. So sanctification means that he's going to take you from where you were and make you more and more to be like Jesus every day. And so, so what he's going to do is he's going to apply sanctification to you. The Spirit of God is that voice you hear within you that keeps prompting you to do his will, to know his love. See? Do you know this voice? This sensation that you have within your heart and soul of God by his Spirit saying, you're loved. You're a child. You're okay. What do you think about this? What about this motive of yours? What about this thing you're doing now? Do you think that's okay? The Spirit of God is at work within you every day and in every way, helping you to see that um, you know what it's like to become more and more like Him. You see, and I love the picture. You know, um, you know King Charles. He's not coronated yet, but he's our king, isn't he? Sort of. Well, imagine if uh, King Charles bought um, one of these houses. Say he bought a unit just up the road over here. What would happen to that house? You have to say, well, King Charles is going to move in. So what would happen? You'd get, um, you know, interior designers, you get <laughs> architects, you get all sorts of people coming in from all over the place, and they would just have to fix this place up because King Charles is going to live there. Can you imagine what they'd have? I couldn't even sort of think about how they'd have to put all that stuff into one of these units because they're not very big and. You know, they're not very grand. I don't know. They'd have to do a lot of work anyway, wouldn't they? And so they'd be in there putting timber and all sorts of things in there. It would be amazing. Just so so King Charles can walk in and go, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, 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 this is what I expect. I don't like that wall over there, but it's pretty good. Yes, yes this is good. So for him to do that, there has to be so much work involved. And the same with us, you see. God has purchased us. He has justified us. He loves us. He has entered into our heart and he says, I'm going to begin the renovation. And so what we do, though, what we do and what we need to understand is that we participate, we cooperate in the work that God's doing, but we do it with joy. Can you do it with joy? Can you trust God to work on you so that you can become a place that is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the place where God can dwell? Can you trust God and then cooperate with him in joy. Can you? Serious question, the most important question you're going to hear today. Can you trust God and with joy allow him to work in your life? And I can tell you, you know, how you answer that determines what your future is going to be like. Because God works in your life and, and, and the biggest things he does to you when he starts knocking out walls and and, and chasing things and, and doing all sorts of stuff is that you know pain happens within 
Heartbreak happens within, but God transforms and changes you. Everybody knows that we're going through difficulties at the moment, and, and I'm just thinking, wow, you know, there's a bit of renovation going on. God is at work within me. And he's saying, will you trust me? And I say, yeah, God, I trust you. Will you have joy? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to enjoy it, but I'm joyful that God is at work in my life. Do you see what that is? Can you trust what God is doing within you right now? Can you trust him and with joy cooperate with him at work in your life? That is such a serious question, isn't it? Do you hear his voice and do you do what he says? Do we accept what he sends? We're called to trust him and accept what he sends into us so that we may be transformed and changed by him. And so this is what God does. The, the sanctifying work that Paul is praying and blessing us all with is that God will do this through and through. He won't leave anything out. You know, our whole soul, spirit and body will be kept blameless. In other words, you're justified, you're right with God, and that's applied to your life. And so you'll continue to, to live in that relationship with God where God is at work within you through and through. It's like God comes in and he starts to begin. He starts in the lounge room and he begins to remodel. You know, he starts, then he goes to the bedroom, then he goes to the bathroom, you know, then he goes to the entertainment area. You know, he he goes through every part of your life, transforming you to be more and more like Jesus. And so this is what we need to see. Sanctification is that process whereby God is at work within us. It is the process that, that we cooperate in. And, you know, the last step of our soteriology, the last step of our salvation, is we're glorified. We're glorified, past tense. Isn't that amazing? So we're already glorified. We're already in the presence of God. Everything's being done for us, and all we have to do now is just cooperate in the work that God is at work doing in us. We can look forward to glory because we know it's ours. We can look forward to being in a relationship with God because we know we're his, and we can accept whatever he does to us because we know we trust him, and with joy we cooperate in what he does. Jesus said, sanctify your disciples by the truth. You know, Jesus praying for his disciples, just like Paul is giving that final word. Sanctify them by the truth in John chapter 17, verse 17. And then he says, your word is truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Wow. What does that mean? That means the word is the sanctifying work of God that the Holy Spirit uses within us. That's amazing. So we've got the word. We've got the Word of God. It's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Word that this will sanctify us. If this Word applies to us, if we just do um, all that Paul said to the Thessalonians, we will be transformed and changed completely. That would sanctify us or move us along to be more like Jesus. And yet the whole Word is given to us, the sanctifying Word of truth within us. And so Jesus says, you need to know the Word and allow the Word to transform your life and to remodel who you are. You'll be filled with joy and peace and faithfulness. You'll, you'll get some patience and some self-control. You'll be changed because you'll be more like Jesus. But what we need to see is that it's worth it. It's worth it. We can so easily give up because we don't feel it's worth it. You know? I don't know. 
I don't feel like it or I'm scared or I'm worried. You know, I'd rather do these other things. But I need to tell you this morning that God is coming and knocking at the door of your heart and saying, will you let me into this door to transform you? Because when you see the changes that are made, you will be amazed. You will be amazed at yourself at what changes. Can you imagine? Suddenly, if, you, if you're happy with your comfortable little lounge room and it's very dark and it's got um, random grew board and, and shag pile carpet, you know, it's made in the 70s, there's lots of mission brown everywhere, a little bit of white. You know, imagine if it looks like that and you go, oh, I'm quite comfortable here. But then suddenly you end up with this grand space that's all modern and airy and light. Then you go, oh, I love this. This is what you can do in your own life, you see, when you see the changes that are made there. It needs to happen to you so that you can see the change has been done, you see. And so can you enjoy, trust God to do his work in you so that when it happens, you can say this is God at work in me. And you can just say, God loves me so much that he wants to change me so that he can move more into me so that then I can be useful to others. And this is the thing, you see. We need to be useful to others. We're not here for ourselves. We're glorified already. But there are people who haven't received the call. And so what they need to do is receive a call from people who are already glorified and who are on the pathway of sanctification, so they're being changed, you see. And so what they need to say is, look, I'm, you know, you call yourself a Christian, but I'm not sure how Christian you are. You see, there are nicer people than you around. Did you know that? There are nicer people than you around? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I, I can admit, there are nicer people than me around. You know, the more loving, you know, more helpful. And yet we have to show them it's not about loving helpfulness. It's about a people who are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, who show them not just helpfulness and niceness, but who demonstrate what it is to have that miracle of transformation take place. They can see God at work in you, and they can go, that is something completely different. Okay, so okay, so what you need to do is, is trust and joyfully uh, cooperate with God as he works in your life and realize that as you live, you're representing God in the world. You're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do and for people to see. You to do and people to see. And as they see it, they go, wow, there is a God because I can see God in you. And so this is what Paul prays. And he's praying for us. Jesus himself is praying for us. May the God of peace bring peace. May he sanctify you, change you, transform you continuously through and through. May this happen to you. And then I've only got a couple of minutes to talk about the promise. And the promise is God is faithful and he will do it. Don't you love that? I love that. It's just God says, I will do it. Like, I will commit all my resources, and I've got a few, to get this done. Can you imagine? God will do it. If you know God is at work in your life, if you've heard the call, if you know God loves you and you've received the message, then God says, I love you, and I will finish you. I will finish you off. I will finish you off. Um, no, I will finish you until you're complete. And then I'll sit back and go, it is finished. And so all we have to do is live in this relationship with God. 
know who he is, know he will do it, and then we will find true life and, and, and true joy. I mean, I, I don't know. I think if we found three people uh, coming in here every week learning about who Jesus is, I don't think there's anything more, more joyful than that. I don't think there, I don't think there can be anything. I mean, if I won, you know, a billion dollars, you know, uh, on Tesloto, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to having three people come in this door and say, "I've heard the call. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to live for Him." Do you believe that? Money or the prize? <laughs> you know, it's, it's we we want we want Him. We want people. We want them to see. We want them to hear. And it's so easy for us. All we have to do is submit to God's work in our life. And so we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And this is for people who have heard the call. This is for us who have heard God say, I love you. This is for people who understand that Jesus has come for them and we are justified by faith. We're justified because we know that he's done it for us. And that he loves us so much that he's prepared to work on us until the end. And we know he's going to do it. And so as we celebrate this, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be declaring to God and to each other, I've heard the call, I know that I'm right with God, I receive it with great thanks, and I'm prepared, I'm prepared to live the rest of my life with God working on me. Because that's what we're doing, isn't it? We need God at work in us. So let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you and worship you that you have revealed yourself to us, that we know that you are God the Father. We know, Father, that you have chosen us since before the beginning of the world, that you sent your one and only Son. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you in obedience and love, love for your Father and love for us, came, that you sacrificed everything for us, that you paid for everything that separated us from you. We thank you that you bore this great pain that we can't even imagine, but you did it for the joy set before you of having us in a relationship with you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present, that you are here, that you're, you bring your work to life. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll fill us now, that we may receive from you now and more and more, that you may do your work of applying your word into our hearts and lives. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know where we need to work now. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll do your work, revealing yourself to us so that we can surrender with trust and with joy so that people may see the work that you're doing in us. And so as we celebrate this uh, most glorious feast together, we pray that you will be present, that you'll help us in our commitment, that you'll um, just reveal and, and display your love for us and that you'll empower us to go out living for you. As we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.